and hear these words from the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, there's this moment It's one of the moments in Scripture that kind of stops me in my tracks. It happens when Jesus' disciples, for the very first time, get sent out. They get to preach a little. They get to heal a little. They experience a little bit of the power of the Spirit. And they come back to talk to Jesus. And they're excited. And they're exhausted. And Jesus seeing their exhaustion, has a suggestion. He suggests that they go on a disciple retreat. Let's get in a boat, he says. Let's go find a lonely place. Let's rest and recover. But as the gospel tells it, when Jesus and the disciples get to that lonely place, there are 5,000 people waiting for them to greet them on the shore. Now here's the moment that stops me in my tracks. The gospel tells us that Jesus didn't look at that crowd with weariness or with disappointment. No, the gospel says he looked on those thousands of people in the wilderness and he had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Like sheep without a shepherd. What is it that Jesus saw? Weren't they just needy, curious people? Weren't they just chasing after miracles, ruining the disciples' retreat? No, Jesus saw something more. Jesus saw lost people, lost in illness, lost in fear, lost in misunderstanding, lost in despair. And Jesus saw vulnerable people, vulnerable to injustice, vulnerable to violence and to the greed of the powerful. No, Jesus looked out on those thousands of people in what should have been his lonely place. He saw them coming for healing and teaching, for inspiration and direction. He saw them come hoping that God could do a new thing in their lives or in their family. He looked at them and he had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. That's what Jesus saw. 
500 years earlier, the prophet Ezekiel received a similar message from God. God was looking over his people scattered in exile, separated from homeland, no longer with a nation, no longer united by covenant with their God. And God said to Ezekiel, my people, they're like sheep scattered and uncared for. They're like, they're like sheep with bad shepherds. I'm against the bad shepherds of Israel. Tell them, Ezekiel. Tell them for me. Tell my people. You suffer from bad shepherds. What is it that Ezekiel saw? God opened his eyes to the pain and to the suffering of the exiles, to the injustice and greed of Israel's leaders and the Babylonian powers. He revealed to Ezekiel that God's people were lost vulnerable, like sheep with really bad shepherds. That's what Ezekiel saw. So Jesus looked out on the multitude and saw sheep without a shepherd. Ezekiel looked out on Israel and saw sheep with bad shepherds. They both saw people lost, vulnerable, afraid, and without hope. That's what they saw. And this morning, There is one question, one very important question that these passages ask of you and me and of the church. These passages ask us, what do we see? What do we see when families are torn apart by bitterness or selfishness? What do we see when a loved one falls deeper into the grip of addiction or grief or depression? What do we see when dozens of innocents are slaughtered by insane, blinding hatred? What do we see when our political rhetoric becomes so poisonous that we literally have to turn our televisions off so our children don't have to listen to it? What do we see when our society has reached such an impasse that many of our citizens would actually rather withdraw go off the grid, hide out in remote wilderness areas rather than stay in our society, rather than try to create a better community, rather than trying to work for the common good? What do we see? You know, I know it's a beautiful Sunday morning, (laughs) and I know that we would rather not see such things or think about such things, but friends, look around you. Really look in your life, in your family, in this world, and I think you'll see the same thing that Ezekiel saw. You'll see the same thing that Jesus saw, people, lost and vulnerable people, people captive to fear, hopelessness, and impressive injustice. People without guidance and protection or people who are being guided but in horrible and inhumane ways. In other words, sheep without a shepherd or sheep with really bad shepherds who do nothing but harm. Some things just don't change, do they? And Scripture is clear, very clear about this. Our God cares Our God cares about the lost and vulnerable. Our God doesn't mean for us to live in communities or a world without guidance or hope or help. God never did, and God never will. Today is Father's Day, and for my family, that usually means that we are not able to be together. 
You see, pastors rarely do family gatherings on Sunday. But what we will do is we'll talk later today with our grown children, and this is a day when our children love to tell stories about their dad. And I if the stories get started this afternoon, one story in particular will be remembered. It's their favorite story about their dad, my husband, Al. It happened about eight years ago. It was a beautiful June day just like this, and we were going white water rafting as a family for the very first time on the mighty Nantahala River in rugged western North Carolina. We had really been excited about doing this because our youngest child had just gotten old enough to be allowed on the river. That should have been a sign to us that this was going to be difficult. We got there. They made us take a class, a safety class, and so we did that. Then they made us sign these papers, one of which was a release of liability in case we didn't make it back. That was our second sign that this was going to be difficult. Then we rented our wetsuits and our life jackets and our paddles and our boat, and then came the moment of decision. Would we pay the extra $60 to have a guide go in the boat with us? Absolutely not, my husband and I said. We can handle this all on our own. We'd been in the river less than 10 minutes when we knew we made a critical mistake. This is a wicked, wicked river. Wide, deep, fast, cold, obstacles everywhere, currents unpredictable and changeable, and we started losing passengers left and right. <laughs> Finally, to our horror, we lost the captain of our ship. Al went overboard. And to hear the kids talk, he literally flew out of the water to get back into that boat. He was so afraid of, leave, of us leaving him or actually trying to get down that river without him. That's when I noticed something. There were other boats on the river that really weren't having as much difficulty as we were. You know, the boats with the guides were actually doing quite well. You know, they kind of knew where the obstacles were. They knew which side of the river the rapids might not be. They kind of knew when to push hard and when to hold back. They even knew where those quiet waters were, where the boat could stop for a little rest. That's when the captain of our ship made an important leadership decision. Al picked a boat with a good guide in it, and we followed it the rest of the day. Dear ones, in the bumps and the terror of the unpredictable river of our lives, of our world, we need a guide. And hear this, God knows our need. God knows that as rapids appear and our little paddles seem helpless against the current, we need a guide. God knows that when hopes are dashed and plans are swamped, we need a guide God knows that when we are forced to choose the proper route to discern if it's time to push or time to hold back, we need a guide. God knows that when our society and our world rushes into what looks like class five rapids with no calm water in sight, we need a guide. 
We need a guide to lead us into blessing and fulfillment and to steer us from danger and destruction. God knows this. God has always known this. And so time and time again in Hebrew Scripture, God declares, I will be their guide. I will be their guide. God told Ezekiel, my sheep have become food for wild animals. And since there is no shepherd and because my shepherds are so bad, I myself will search for my sheep. I will seek them out. I will rescue them. I will feed them. I will be the shepherd of my sheep. I'll make them lie down. I'll seek the lost. I'll bring back the strayed. I'll bind up the injured, strengthen the weak, and I will feed all of them with justice. These aren't just pretty words, my friends. God means to be our shepherd, our guide, our help and hope God desires that for you, for me, for our world. He desires it to such an extent that when the prophets and kings, when the victories and and political upturns were not enough, God came to us in Jesus Christ to guide and shepherd humanity into God's kingdom, into just and compassionate living, into transforming this lost and vulnerable world. Sent Jesus, Jesus who looked out upon humanity, on people like you and me, families like ours, villages and communities like this one, Jesus who saw us, who sees us, and says they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're like sheep with really bad shepherds. Jesus saw this, and then in John's gospel declared, I I am the good shepherd. I am the one who lays down his life for the sheep. I'm not a hired hand, says Jesus. I'm not some bad shepherd running after my own interests. No, I'm God's answer to your lost places and your vulnerability. God's answer to the needs of your hurting family and this broken world. I'm a new kind of shepherd, the good shepherd follow me. Sounds so simple, so logical. Here Jesus fulfills the longing of all of Hebrew Scripture. All of Hebrew Scripture longed for a good shepherd, and and Jesus fulfills that. Here he meets the need of humanity for all times, for every place. That should be the end of the story, right? (laughs) Right? But It's not. It's not. It's not because if you stop and think, if you stop and look and really look at your life, at those you love, at our crazy world, what do you see? Bad shepherds and lost sheep, right? People vulnerable, misguided, even ourselves, at least some of the time. And why? Why is that the case when a good shepherd is so very close by? Well, Jesus leaves us a hint here in the 10th chapter of John. You see, he not only says, I'm the good shepherd, he also reminds us, I know my own, and my own know me. I lead my own, and my own listen to my voice. And over and over again, Jesus says, I'm the shepherd who lays down my life for the lost and vulnerable. And those who follow me should lay down their life for the same. 
for addicted children, for Orlando nightclub goers, for traumatized first responders, for the abused and neglected, the sick, the grieving, broken families, and even angry politicians. Jesus reminds us that to be their shepherd, to be our shepherd, he gave up everything, everything, even his very life. And here's the rub. Here's the thing that should stop us in our tracks this morning. Jesus invites us, each of us, parents and children, sisters and brothers, friends and enemies, all of us who know the Good Shepherd and can hear his voice, to lead our families, to lead this church, to lead our community, our world in exactly the same way. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Some of you uh, may know that I wear this clunky bracelet. You may have heard it if you've been in meetings with me. I wear it every day. It's just a simple James Avery bracelet, and it has the 23rd Psalm on it. It was given to me about 10 years ago, and it was a gift, a gift to remind me that I'm not alone that I have a guide through everything that happens to me and everything I must face. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It was meant to give me comfort, and it does. And the 23rd Psalm brings most of us comfort most of the time, I would suspect. But I want to share with you this morning that I'm beginning to see the comfort of the 23rd Psalm in a new way. And I believe the church must begin to see this comfort in a new way as well. I'm beginning to see the shepherd psalm as a challenge, as a call, as a cry to action, as a reminder to see, really see the vulnerable and the lost around me, to hear the shepherd's voice and be part of God's shepherding work in the world. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So that means I have everything I need to do God's work. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. So that means I know the way to comfort and restore others. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So I have the power to work righteousness in my relationships with others. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Which means I have the strength and the courage to walk with others into those dark places. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, uh, my enemies. So I know, I know how to behave with those who would do me harm. Thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runs over. It runs over, my friends, so that it can run into the lives of those around me. Friends, for goodness and mercy to follow us all the days of our lives, we have to follow the Good Shepherd. We have to be part of the new thing God is doing in our midst, and we have to see, look, and really see the lost and the vulnerable, and then follow Christ's command hear Christ's voice, to be their shepherd with love, with sacrifice, with forgiveness and grace. That, that is the task of a disciple of Jesus Christ, one of Christ's fold. 
And that is our calling as the church. And that's what it means to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Please stand and sing with us the shepherd's psalm. <laughs>